The scripture reading is taken from various portions of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 15, 16, 19, and 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. This is God's word. The tired prayer of every parent can be found in Psalm 6, verse 4. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Raising children, guiding children, teaching children is a very normal, understandable reason to be angry. A lot. And uh, today, we're, we're going to assess the Proverbs perspective on anger. Uh, as we look at the Proverbs gaining wisdom for raising up the next generation. In their book, The Cry of the Soul, Dan Allender, who's a psychologist, and Tremper Longman, who's an Old Testament scholar, uh, they focus on the Psalms to teach us about our emotions and what our emotions tell us about who we think God is and our relationship to him. And they define anger for us in this book, and they say that anger is our response to an assault. That's simple enough. Anger is a response to an assault, whether the assault is real or just perceived by us. But they go on to say that if the assault blocks earnest desire, or what we believe we must possess in order to be whole, then we will burn with rage. Is anger a sin? Have you asked yourself that question? You talk to your kids about, it, about this, is anger a sin? Well, not necessarily. Is anger a good thing? It depends on what is angering you. Dan Allender and Tremper Longman go on to say that the greater the injustice, the more anger we ought to feel. Anger is not sin. God expresses anger. It's what we do when we're angry. That's the issue. So our society is very quick to draw conclusions and to draw lines of division between ourselves and other camps, and then finally to draw swords whether figuratively or, or literally, quick to draw conclusions, quick to draw lines of demarcation, and quick to draw swords. However, the Proverbs teach us in chapter 14, verse 29, that he who is hasty with his temper exalts foolishness. Now, the Hebrew word to exalt something, it meant to publicize it, to broadcast it widely. He who has a hasty temper publicizes foolishness. 
And so think of our own culture, think of social media, think of how events unfold in the world and in America and how people share their opinions about those events, especially the events that impact them very personally, or the the events that they perceive are very important. It is acceptable in our society, it is even considered righteous to publicize your angry thoughts and your angry actions. But the Proverbs teach us that that is foolishness. And the Proverbs teach us that there is a better way, there is an alternative way to publicizing your anger about something. It's called restraint. The Proverbs press the concept of restraint over and over. You know, our young people, our children, your children need to see the foolishness of the type of anger that is popular in our society. They need to see that the type of anger our society praises is actually foolishness from God's perspective. A wise person is patient and careful when angry. When I saw Avery pull out that blender and show it to the kids, I was immediately convicted. When I saw that lidless blender I thought, yeah, that's, that's what we do. That's what I've done. So today we're going to talk about patience in your anger. And we're going to talk about discernment in your anger. And we're going to talk about grace in our anger. Being patient when you're angry. Being discerning also when you're angry. And finally, being gracious in your anger. Practicing restraint when we find that we are angry, whether it's what's going on in the world or whether what's going on in your very own household, okay? So being patient when you're angry is the mark of a wise person. Anger is such a powerful emotion. Anger can cause so much human hurt that it needs to be tempered. It needs to be regulated. Your anger needs a lid. So. Again, chapter 14, verse 29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So being slow to anger, literally in the Hebrew language, meant to be long of anger. Someone's someone's anger is long, kind of like a long runway. Does that make sense? That your anger has a long runway before it takes off and gets out of you, yeah? Slow to anger, long runway, long of anger. So the Bible doesn't demonize anger, it just tempers it. It moderates a person's anger. So a wise person develops a long runway, or let's put it this way, a wise person develops a long fuse. Not a short fuse, a long fuse before detonating. And this was really important to the ancient Hebrews, especially when it involved the governing of a king. If you read through the Proverbs, so much wisdom is given to leaders, to kings and those in authority, and even to the people, not only the governor, but those who were being governed. uh, uh, governed. So for instance, chapter 16, verse 32 tells us, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Mighty means warrior. Whoever is slow to anger is even better than those who are highly trained at special ops. 
And it then says, he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. One of my professors, Dwayne Garrett, in his commentary on the Proverbs, writes that a peaceful society is cultivated by both the governor and those who are governed, by those who are in leadership and those who are being led. And so he writes that a leader's patience helps him govern his nation well and helps him respond to other nations. But equally important, the Proverbs teach us, a people's discernment, a population's discernment to avoid unnecessary conflict is just as important. And I want you to think about our politicians, and I want you to think about social media, and I want you to think about the views that are popular in our society today, and do you see restraint in our government and in those who are being governed? This is the dynamic in which we are raising our young people today. Now these principles for governors and those governed very easily adapt to the life of a family, don't they? Those governing and those being governed. Patience and restraint, discernment to know how to not make everything a conflict and a battle. There are, of course, crises that require your quick response as a parent, right? Like there are times when you just gotta use your gut sense to respond in the moment. You have to, but you wanna know what? Most of the issues, most of the complaints, most of the problems that we deal with as parents require patient restraint to sort out. Not everything is a blow up. Not everything is an absolute gut sense, quick respond situation. Otherwise, family members will make a conflict out of everything, right? And we know who these families are. We see them in the grocery store. We see them on the soccer field. They're the people who don't practice restraint in their home together. Naturally, they're not gonna be able to practice restraint in public. Not everything is a battle. Not everything is a contest of wills. Look, if your three-year-old son absolutely demands to go to church shirtless one day, you've gotta win that battle as a parent. If your three-year-old son wants to wear a Superman cape to church with a shirt on under it, that's okay. Not everything is an absolute drag down, knock out fight, discernment, restraint. Now, you'd be right to say that patience alone will not reform a child. That's exactly right. You need something more than patience. You need discernment. Being discerning when you're angry is also the mark of a wise person. Look, patience, that long runway, that long fuse that you develop in yourself, that makes room for discernment. And, and it, don't take me literally, it's not like you need to be patient, patient and then you get discernment. They work together, all right? The patience provides you the long fuse and, and, and you have room to work with now so that you can be reflective. You can be discerning. You can be meditative as a parent or a caregiver or an educator. Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook an offense. Now the Hebrew language, when it says to overlook something, it means to pass it by. To notice something but not take it up. 
So when you're browsing the fruits and vegetables in the produce section, and you look at a head of cabbage, and you look at a stalk, a stalk of celery, and you, know, you look at you know, other things, you, you decide to pass some things over. You see them, but you don't take it. You use discernment with what you're putting in your cart. It's the same thing with conflict. It's the same thing as we look at things that offend us or annoy us, and we're trying to figure out, what do I pick up? What do I take? What is important enough for me to take it and do something with it? And what can I pass by? What can I overlook? I could get ticked at that comment, but I won't, and I'll forgive it internally and not let it drive a wedge in our relationship and not let it ruin my day or the birthday party or the movie or dinner. Now again, you have to address some actions. You have to deal with certain violations or comments, but not all of them, not all of them. So if you learn this, if you learn discernment, it will be your glory, the Proverbs say. Glory means adornments, like jewelry on your body. It is a person's glory to overlook an offense. You see, discernment literally makes you attractive to other people. Having discernment in conflict makes you attractive to people, and having discernment in family issues even makes you attractive to your children as they grow up. Jesus, when angry, was discerning, was he not? If you've read the Gospels, Jesus was discerning in his responses to people when he was frustrated with them. His responses when he was angry were as varied and different as the types of people to whom he responded. Think about it. This is a great little biblical exercise. Somebody gave this to me once. Just look at all the ways Jesus responded to Peter. All the different ways Jesus responded to Peter depending upon the circumstance. More broadly than that, whether, whether Jesus was dealing with Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan, or to Martha by saying, hey, Martha, you, you are worried about way too many things. Or to the Pharisees, you blind fools, you hypocrites. And to Peter again, put your sword away. Different circumstance, different response. Even if to the same person. So what we're saying today is, Parenting and discipleship must apply that Christ-like patience and discernment. Whether you have one child and you have to help her adapt to every developmental stage she's going through in life while she's in your home, or whether you have many children and you have to apply discernment and a different approach to each of them based upon their God-given nature. Remember what Jim Cofield, what we said Jim Cofield said last week? You can't change a child's nature. You can nurture them, though, to make good choices in life. And that's what we're talking about. Discernment when we're angry. So help your children develop a long fuse in conflict. A long fuse for conflict. A long fuse, slow to anger, is something that we can practically help our children develop, and it does glorify God, the Proverbs tell us. Back to Dr. James Cofield, the psychologist. He, he, uh, he said to us in, um, in our, our Chesapeake Presbytery retreat uh, uh, last year, I thought this was so helpful. 
He said, what I try and do in my counseling practice and, and as a pastor in my church and what I think we should be doing as parents and educators and, 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 and uh, caregivers is to help children and young people put as much space as possible between what happens and how they respond to what happens. And that space that you're trying to help them, uh, that you're trying to provide for them through counseling, through prayer, through teaching them and guiding them and disciplining them and just helping them learn how to reflect, just like you do, reflect, meditate on God's word, meditate on the situation and how God would have you respond. Help our children put space between what is happening in their life and how they should respond to it. Now, if you want methods and techniques for parenting, that's fine. We've got resources, we're, we're, we're re we have plenty of books and resources to recommend to one another. And that's all good, but I'm telling you, we have to help our children develop a long fuse as a general principle. And here's the thing, you have to help your children develop a long fuse by tempering your own anger. That's the context in which they develop a long fuse. You need one. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Paul was not a parent, but he was wise. And he knew what he had to say to parents, and he, he specifically calls out fathers. Isn't that interesting? There is something, there is something in a father that simmers up uh, to a boil when a, when a man-child decides to test your authority in your home. When a, when a, when a man-child decides that they can push you, that they can try and push you emotionally and mentally to the limit, there is something in you that just will make you crazy. And Paul knew that. Paul could see that. Now listen, if we don't temper our anger, then we will end up combating child foolishness with adult foolishness. And that is a zero-sum game, I can tell you from experience. You may win something and they will absolutely lose something. And they may fear you, but they will not respect you. The person filled with unrighteous anger, this is a Dan Allender and Tremper Longman again, the person filled with unrighteous anger suppresses the freedom of others trying to force submission. So if you are angry and when you are angry, because you will be angry, it's not, a matter of, it's not a matter of if, it's when we get angry. Here's what we can ask ourselves in our anger. What am I trying to take? What am I trying to protect? What am I trying to prove? You recognize, oh, I am angry. What am I trying to protect? What am I trying to prove? What am I trying to take? Anger is a secondary emotion, Jim Cofield says. There is an emotion that is more foundational that happens to you before you get angry, and it's disappointment. Disappointment gives birth to anger. Remember how I said a couple of weeks ago, the best thing you can do for your children is to be right with God yourself. That's what they need from you more than anything, to be right with God yourself. So this becomes an issue. Anger in the home, anger as a parent, turns out to be a worship issue. It's a battle between true worship and idolatry. 
If I want respect in the home, if I want quiet at 10 o'clock at night, if I want my child to grow up to be a Division I athlete, if I want these things more than I want God, I will not handle the disappointment of watching their life turn out differently than I want it to turn out. I will not be able to handle the disappointment of a bad grade, a bad report card, a bad report from the principal or from the neighbor's kid's parent. I will not be able to handle the disappointment of their life looking different than my prayer request. They will not be able to handle the disappointment when they discover the world does not turn out the way you want it to turn out. A man of wrath stirs up strife. And one given to anger causes much transgression. If you are quick to anger, you will quicken anger's... If you are quick to anger, you will quicken anger in others and in your children. But a soft answer turns away wrath. Proverbs 15, verse 11, 12 tells us. A soft answer, it means a gentle answer, a sensitive answer, not a weak answer, not a pushover answer, a fitting answer for the situation. A soft answer turns away wrath. A discerning answer turns away wrath. Being gracious when we are angry. We've talked about being patient and being discerning, but listen, being gracious when we are angry is the mark of true faith. And you want to know why? Because God is slow to anger. God's wrath is the exception in his behavior. It is not the norm. The Lord, the Lord, Moses discovered as he was hidden in the cleft of the rock on Mount Sinai and the presence of God passed by him. Moses learned what Israel was told again and again to never forget what we are encouraged every time we gather to worship together to remember the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Would you look at that? The Bible's God is not an angry tyrant who can't control himself. That is a myth. It is not the God of the Bible. There is always a long fuse with God. Always a long fuse. Months, sometimes years, centuries. Isaiah the prophet told the the, the people of Judah and Jerusalem, you are asking for trouble. You are rebelling against the Lord who has been gracious and merciful for you, and he will not put up with it forever. But you want to know what? They were rebelling against him for centuries. And guess what? Isaiah says these words to Judah and Jerusalem over 100 years before God's judgment would come through the Babylonians. The Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. And he said, blessed are those who wait for him. Do you see it says, the Lord exalts himself to be merciful to you. In a culture like ours that 
publicizes hastiness and anger and self-assertion, right? We are literally, this is what we are doing in our society with social media and, and technology alone. We are publicizing our anger. And some people take it to, to, the, to the extreme. They, they publicize acts of murder and vengeance upon entire schools, churches, synagogues. In a society that literally publicizes its anger, God cho- chose from all eternity to publicize something else. God chose to make a public display of his son before the entire universe, before angels and demons and all of humanity, God publicized Jesus, the Son of God, crucified on a cross. Paul said to the church in Corinth that was riddled with conflict, envy, rivalry, pride, hatred, he said to them what? Do you remember when he said the wisdom that the world wants to see they are not going to see in in a healthy church? Because what did he say? What does it take for a church to be healthy? He said, we preach Christ crucified. That is what the God of the universe has publicized in response to his own anger for your sin. He crucified his son. And that is what a wise parent publicizes to his children, Christ crucified. And that is what a Christ-like family publicizes to the neighborhood, Christ crucified. It even seems that God has been patient with you, with me, so that we could be saved. The Lord, Peter said, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see that? He is slow to get angry. He is quick to be merciful. And if your heavenly father has shown restraint to you for for your good, then you show restraint to your children for their good. A wise person is patient and careful when angry because God is that way. Our young people are growing up in a world that will teach them to condemn and to react and to repay. But the gospel teaches us to forgive and to reflect and to bless. That is what you can give your children by practicing it yourself. Help your children develop a a long fuse for conflict by tempering your own anger. And let's go to the Prince of Peace and ask for his help now. Let's pray. Our Father, it's so convicting, it's so hard to consider our ways and how we have fallen short of the glory of God as parents, as teachers, as caregivers, as disciple makers, as counselors, as grandparents. Father, for the ways that we have fallen short, we plead the blood of Jesus, Christ crucified on our behalf. We praise you that as our brother said earlier today, you cannot remain angry with us. 
because our sins are forever destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be people of peace. Help us to practice restraint when we are angry. Help us, Father, to seek wisdom as parents. Help us to be patient and to be discerning. And even as you have been with us, to be gracious. Amen.